0: I want to welcome you to Chapelwood United Methodist Church. My name is Peter and I'm one of the pastors here. As we gather together on All Saints Sunday, we welcome you, uh, whether you're a guest uh, or a regular attender. I want to invite you to join with me in a little litany that we have uh, for All Saints. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. As we celebrate today, those who have gone before us, we give thanks for the good gifts that God gives, uh, especially the lives of the saints. Why don't we take a moment and stand and turn to your neighbor and say, good morning. All right, I wanna, uh, wanna invite you to find uh, a seat. And as you're finding a seat, I wanna explain a little bit about what you see up here. Uh, Up here are pictures uh, that y'all have brought and placed here on the table. Uh, Those who are loved ones uh, who have passed. Um, There are some that are over on the side on the floor. Remember, you placed them where you wanted them. Um, uh, But um, these are those who we love and those whom we've lost. Now, uh, also printed and to be read today uh, will be those of this congregation who have passed. And so as the names are read, a bell will be told. um, And I think Duran is coming to ring that bell. And there'll be a time, um, a little bit of space as that bell, oh, I see the bell, it's in the sound booth. Um, And so as the, the bell rings, that's a time of reflection. Um, You are welcome uh, if you're so led uh, as a name of someone you love is read, you're welcome to stand while that bell uh, tolls and rings. Um, And then as we end uh, our time of remembrance, there is a responsive reading that'll be on the screens that's broken up uh, by gender. So the women will have a part and the men will have a part and then we'll all have a part together.
1: Laura May Dunn.
0: Thomas Roan Bacon.
1: Joe Travis Bartlett.
0: E.P. Bullock.
1: Raleigh Robert Gore.
0: Joselle Miles.
1: Lloyd Porter.
0: James Arthur Robertson.
1: Janice McDaniel Robertson.
0: Mark Dean Smades.
1: David Lee Tanner.
0: And all family members that we have lost, whether written, spoken, or mentioned here.
1: Let us pray. Almighty God, your people of all ages live and praise you without ceasing.
0: In our communion with you, we have communion with generations past and generations yet unborn.
1: Before your throne, we are one with a great multitude, which no one could ever...
0: And in praising you, we join with those from every nation.
1: Grant to your church on earth that as we celebrate the triumph of your saints in glory,
0: we may profit by their example and enter into the joys you have prepared for those who love you.
1: Through Through Jesus Jesus Christ, Christ our our Lord, Lord. Amen. amen.
2: All right, this is a time for all my children friends to come down. Good morning. How are we doing? what I have here. What do you think that is? Is it a picture? What is it? Is it a family dressed up and taking a picture together? There's the mom and the dad and the baby and they are wearing Halloween costumes. That's right. So this is their Fun family picture. Have you ever taken a family picture before? Where where mom makes you get all dressed up and make sure everything's right. And she makes sure there's nothing on your face. Have you ever had to take a family picture? Yeah. Are they fun? (laughs) Well, um, family pictures are special because it reminds us... um, of just how much we love being a family. And on this table over here, can you turn around and look? Those are pictures of people in our family as well. There's some people you may know and some people that you may not know, but they are a part of our family. And so if we had a big family photo album, we would put them in there because we're all part of the family of God. And even though these people over here on this table may not be with us here on earth anymore, they're still a part of our family. They're still very special to us. And that's uh, why we honor them today. So can we say a prayer together? Okay. We we are going to pray that God will help us uh, to remember all those people who may not be with us anymore, and um, help us to um, to have His comfort and to know that He is with us. Are you ready? Okay. Praying eyes and praying hands. Dear Lord, thank you for our memories. Thank you for our family, whether they are here or in heaven, let let us love them in our hearts, in our memories, and in our actions. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I I chose to use the visual Bible because I felt like um, when we read um, that text, Uh, Sometimes it's hard to put the emotion into it. With the visual Bible, you can see uh, Mary run uh, to Jesus, right? Uh, You can see the tears on her face. I I think one thing I wish that the visual Bible would do would go ahead and show us Jesus weeping, right? Um, I I was uh, unimpressed that they use that as a transition uh, to the tomb. Uh, But I love that image of uh, Lazarus coming out, wrapped in grave clothes, um, there's that kind of brief moment of uh, uh, fear and horror. Uh, wh- what have we asked for? And and what has happened? Uh, but then, as the grave clothes come off, uh, that kind of recognition that it's it's Lazarus and it's it's okay. It's a it's a good thing. Um, I've noticed over uh, time that uh, in the midst of life transitions, there are social pleasantries that we engage in. For example, one social pleasantries, if you've moved from one place or are headed to another place to live, you'll encounter somebody somewhere and they'll say, oh yeah, I grew up there. I I graduated from the high school there. And and I hope that, have you met so-and-so? You know, as if there's 25,000 people in Lake Jackson and me moving to be the pastor there will mean that I'll know somebody who graduated 20 years ago, right? There's these social pleasantries, right? If you graduate from high school, at graduation, people greet you and they say, hey, what are you gonna major in? Like it's an easy choice, and we all know confidently at the age of 18 what we're gonna spend the rest of our lives doing, right? These are these kind of interesting social requirements. It's not unlike the social requirement that if you see a woman who is very clearly very pregnant, you are able to ask, A, what's the gender? B, when's the due date? And if you're really bold, you get to touch her belly, right? I don't, but maybe you do, right? It's these strange social expectations. And, And so it makes me think of one of the social expectations that kind of hovers around All Saints Day, right? That if you've lost someone, That it's okay for others to randomly print things out off of the internet and give them to you for your comfort, right? Whether it was written by a hallmark, whether it was written by a weblogger, or whether it's pieces of scripture, right? I line all these things up as strange social rituals that we do now, one of the, uh, those things that often gets shared, maybe printed off the internet, is a really beautiful poem written by a canon of St. Paul's Cathedral, uh, Henry Scott Holland, uh, in the 19th century, and I think it is beautiful, and, and it, it helps me in thinking about grief, but it also challenges me in thinking about grief. Uh, the poem is from one of his sermons. He actually writes two poems in this sermon, and it's a sermon to talk about how we grieve and, and how the world expects us to grieve and uh, maybe how sometimes we get a poor impression of how the Bible expects us to grieve. So the poem is entitled Death is Nothing at All. If you'll uh, humor me for a moment, uh, I'd like to read it. Death is nothing at all. I've only slipped, slipped away into the next dream room. I am I, and you are you. Whatever we were to each other, that we are still. Call me by my old familiar name. Speak to me in the easy way you always used to. Put no difference into your heart. Wear no forced air of solemnity or sorrow. Laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes That we always enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that it always was. Let it be spoken without effort, without the ghost of a shadow in it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There's absolute unbroken continuity. What is death but a negligible accident? Why should I be out of mind? Because I am out of sight. Somewhere, I'm waiting for you. At an interval, somewhere very near, just around the corner, all is well. Nothing is past. Nothing is lost. One brief moment, and all will be as it was before. And oh, how we shall laugh at the trouble of parting when we meet again. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. sentimental. It is engaging. It is emotional. It it reminds us that that which we knew in life, we will know again. I mean, there are great things that can be placed upon that beautiful home. But there are moments, maybe like you, where I go, oh, and it convicts me. A little bit of a lacking moment, right? When I read the words, uh, what is death but a negligible accident? Whoa, 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 I don't know about you, but those whom I have loved and lost in this life, it is not a negligible accident. It's not like a a typo that autocorrect can take care of. It's not just a, wow, that was a bad hair day. No, Uh, death creates void. Uh, death creates absence, death, um, death puts an empty seat at the table. Whether it's uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, uh, whether it's Easter egg hunts, whether it's um, the usual seat, while watching the world series death is not a negligible accident but rather it is a real pain that separates me from real people whom i love deeply and when i think about the idea that i'm waiting for you at an interval somewhere very near well well near it's not near enough um I remember as a young clergy person, uh, as an associate pastor, I uh, visited a woman who'd been uh, widowed uh, just uh, that week, and um, she told me that uh, the month prior, uh, she'd celebrated 50 uh, years of uh, marriage. And I said, wow, what a great gift that you had 50 years with him. And she quickly said, I'd have taken 10 more if given. Right, right, I wanted to celebrate what had happened, kind of like a death is no more. And she was reminding me that no matter how near, no matter how negligible of an accident, no matter how much we might laugh when we join together again at the way in which we thought we were parted, she'd have taken 10 more years. I, I like the opportunity to think about the sentiment of death is nothing at all. But the reality is, is that it is something to me, and it is something to you, that it's an intrusion into our lives. Uh, There are not many things that the Bible says are enemies to us, but death is one. Death is an enemy. That in the graveside service we say, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? For Christ has resurrected us. That we are the first fruits of all that Jesus will do when we are resurrected. I like our scripture passage today uh, because it shows a wonderful humanness for Jesus, right? I mean, we we know Christology says that Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine, right? Um, You you can look at the different gospels. I I like Mark especially because Mark seems to be uh, portraying a very human Jesus, right? I like a Jesus that, you know, the most common word uh, that's said uh, in the um, uh, book of Mark is immediately, right? (laughs) I kind of live a very immediately life. Maybe you do too. I'm not so much of a fan of the Gospel of John, I have to be honest. Uh, In the Gospel of John, which is kind of some of the, you get some of that here um, in this passage, Jesus kind of walks 10 feet off the ground, right? Well, I'm saying these things not because you need to hear them, God, but because the people around me, the peons, they need to know it, right? It's not my favorite, right? I, I like a little bit more of a blue collar Jesus. Is that fair? In this passage, all of the dynamics that we live in kind of come together, right? Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha, who you know from other stories, right? Um, Mary likes to um, sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha likes to do the dishes. Mary gets upset at Martha for uh, not sitting and Martha gets upset at Mary for not uh, not doing the dishes. Those dynamics may happen at your house. We're not gonna talk about them today. That same Mary and Martha They send word to Jesus and they say, Lazarus is really sick. Come quickly. And Jesus didn't come quickly. I mean, he got there when he got there. Lazarus is dead. Now we're not talking like, oh, you missed it by 30 minutes. You could have said goodbye to him. No, we're talking like three days. Like, like Lazarus, they've had the funeral. They've waited or they've waited the 24 hours. They've had the funeral. He is in the grave, the crypt, the stone is rolled. It's a done deal. And so when Jesus shows up, Mary does two things. You can tell she's torn. She runs to Jesus, which we saw, and falls on her knees. Great respect, right, for the Savior. But the words out of her mouth were, if you'd only been here, Lord. If you'd only been here, Lord. If you loved us, you would have been here on time. If you cared about us, uh, we we prayed regularly in the midst of the ICU. We were um, present there at the hospital bedside. We prayed, we had prayer chains. We made sure all of the internet blew up with the love that we have for you and for our loved one. If you'd been here, Lord. Do you see why I like this scripture passage? I mean, it's it's not holier-than-thou language. Mary's saying the words that you and I often think, if you'd only been here. And then um, the Scripture does a great job of talking about uh, Jesus' feelings. It says that he was disturbed in his spirit, which is very nice King James' language to say that he was angry. In fact, there's probably a word that begins with a P and ends with a D that we could say, but I want to say here as a pastor a little bit longer. He was angry angry, not, oh, wow, I'm intellectually angry about the fact that death exists. No, he is disturbed in his spirit. Um, the Greek language, uh, which um, is most of kind of what's preserved here after Jesus speaks in the Aramaic, is the, it, it talks about feelings in this region, right? We tend to think about feelings here or here, but Greeks feel feelings right here in the stomach. And, and, and the, the language here is that his insides were turned upside down. And then you get the shortest scripture passage in the Bible, right? Two words, Jesus wept. Now, I, I don't know about you, but uh, when, when, I, when I weep, it is not a um, little tear that goes down cinematically and beautifully, you know, with swelling uh, symphony music. No, um, it ain't pretty. In fact, if you haven't seen me cry, that's good because I make sure there are few people around when the glue comes unglued. Can I get an amen from somebody? Right? When I think about the word Jesus wept, I believe Jesus lost it. Jesus Jesus mourned. Jesus grieved, not just for um, uh, Mary and Martha and not just for Lazarus, but for the loss of his friend, for the loss of opportunities, maybe even a little bit at the fact that he wasn't there on time. Jesus Wept. I got to tell you, I, I like the idea of believing in a God who loses his stuff, who gets angry, whose insides are turned upside down because of deep love for someone. But you see, Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, show me where. They take him to the graveside, and he says, roll away the stone. Now, no one ever pays attention to this, but in the King James, there's a second shortest scripture passage. Um, It's two words as well. If you look in the King James right at this point, um, when Jesus says, roll away the stone, somebody there says, oh, no, Lord. And then the verse is, he stinketh. But apparently that's not as sentimental as Jesus wept okay, you're not going to laugh at that. All right, sorry. I took you way too far that Jesus wept. We couldn't get back to he stinketh. So uh, then he calls out Lazarus's name, remembering that in biblical tradition, a name is powerful, that if you use someone's name, you have the power to bless or to curse them. Jesus stands at the entry to the crypt, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And He does. Lazarus walks out. Now, I gotta be honest with you, I've been uh, binging some Walking Dead um, episodes lately. That shadowy look as Lazarus is coming out, I'm I'm thinking it's time to run, right? But see, Lazarus comes forth and and he is um, bound with grave clothes. Um, The scripture goes on to say um, that Jesus says, uh, untie him. Um, notice that Jesus doesn't untie him. Notice that the community, the mourners, gather around Lazarus and take off the grave clothes. There's a little bit of a biblical inaccuracy here because they wouldn't have covered the face in the graveside uh, clothes. Um, so I think there's some probably dramatic going on for the visual Bible, right? But they're, they would have seen his face and it would have been the community that gathers around him uh, to release him from those bonds. Uh, You know, being a pastor and being someone who grieves, uh, I recognize the, the dynamics and the themes here all over the place. It doesn't matter how long it's been since your loved one died. It can be multiple years, it can be multiple weeks, but grief is powerful and hard. Grief is something that can, well, let me be honest. The the way I talk about grief is uh, I grew up on the beach. Um, I'd go down to the beach, uh, um, Cocoa Beach, Florida. Um, That was kind of the place where you'd play after school and uh, we'd swim out into the ocean. Now I've always been close to the ground, short, right? And so I never wanted to go out far because um, it got deep quick. Um, And I never really enjoyed being close in the surf because if you're not paying attention, You know, you can be looking someplace other than where the waves are coming and smash, you get hit and you get salt in your mouth and your eyes burn and you can hardly stand up. And before you know it, another one comes again. To me, that's what I feel like in the midst of early grief right? It doesn't matter. There's no rhythm. There's no logic. If you're not paying attention to what's going on, uh, the memory of your loved one can crash over you in a moment when you're not prepared and you get salt all in your mouth and your eyes burn and you can just hardly stand it. Do you get the metaphor? And see, the purpose of grief isn't to stay right there in the midst of the surf. And the purpose of grief isn't to get out of the water and forget that you had a loved one at all. But, but rather there needs to be a little bit of a victory. There needs to be a, a little bit of an opportunity to be able to stand in the water, to be able to face the future and not get tumbled over by it. Now, sometimes um, when we lose a loved one, we just decide it's easier to get into the crypt with them. We'll just go down and, uh, to Walmart and buy some grave clothes of our own. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and climb into the crypt there, and, and we'll just stay there because we're not really sure how this is all going to work out. In fact, Stephen Ministry talks about caregiving in a very specific way. Uh, they talk about it as the mud hole. I have a picture of the mud hole here. Um, you see the… the Oh, there's no labels, that's great. Okay, so one, two, three. The third person is the person who needs help going from this way to that way. And then everybody else is an example of care. Now the person who's number two, one, two, this is somebody who's gone ahead and climbed down into the mud hole. I'm so sorry that you're not feeling well. I'm gonna stay with you. And notice they're now stuck in the hole as well. We call it over-identification. Now the person, number one, way up on the top, th- that's a great example of sympathy, right? Oh, look at you, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry it's bad for you, but I got nice clothes on, I'm not getting down in the mud hole today, right? Uh, oh, oh, good, yeah, click, click, Woohoo! I didn't know that, could, technology's wonderful, thank you. And then if you look at the fourth person way over on the side, This is kind of a better place for care. Notice they're holding on to the root and reaching down to help the person who's hurt. It's hard to move between sympathy and over-identification, but eventually we have to be willing to move to empathy. Oh, go back. That was, can we, okay, you'll go back when you can. Notice that the tree, the tree is a great symbol. We often talk about Jesus hanging on the tree in crucifixion. So the person who's expressing empathy holds on to the life-giving faith in Jesus and reaches down to help others. You see, death is not nothing, but it's also not victorious over us. That we live in the middle of that tension of reaching for the memory of our loved one, but holding on to the tree of Jesus. And when we do that well, We can live in the tension. You see, good grief, grief that moves past, um, and this is something that happens maybe a year after the loss. Good grief um, was described to me as the kind of swimming when you go out past the breakers and you move into the place where you can't touch the bottom and as the waves come, they swell, and if you don't fight, they lift you up, and when the wave goes, it sets you down right? In the lowest part of the wave, you can touch the ground. In the highest part of the wave, you're on your own floating. You you see, what's nice about those swells is they come with rhythm. And so now you remember your loved one. You're lifted up and set back down on solid ground. And the cycle works in such a way that you can live life in the midst of the memory, and not be knocked over by it. The sad truth is that uh, for Lazarus, this was just a temporary resurrection. This was not, you know, he didn't live forever. Um, That was for Elijah and others. He ended up experiencing death as well. But in that moment, we see the compassion of Jesus. We see the reality of Mary's words, if you loved us you'd have been here. I think um, one of the most powerful words that we can think about with regard to faith is a simple word, with. With. If you could sum up Jesus' ministry, if you could sum up what salvation means, if you could sum up how best to engage and to work through difficult times, it's to know that Jesus isn't above, below, or beyond, but Jesus is with. Sure, some days death is nothing at all because Jesus is with us, but some days death is the enemy, but Jesus is with us. All Saints is about remembering not just the lives that we've been blessed with, but remembering the work of Jesus in the midst of our lives and their lives and in the life to come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. Uh, Along that road, there are opportunities to invite people uh, to take a next step. Um, And we're excited that last night was a wonderful success. Uh, The Harvest Festival was a a work of the whole church. Um, We brought it inside because, you know, the weather had its own work uh, going on, Um, but it was wonderful to see uh, nearly 200 or more people, uh, 300, sorry, um, uh, uh, 300 or or more people here at the church. Uh, More than 200 hot dogs uh, were cooked uh, we're. Thank- I-, I saw uh, James Horton in the middle of uh, some of that. Um, we're thankful for more than 145 pictures taken in the photo booth. Uh, thank you, uh, James Soka and LM, wherever y'all are, right? So a lot of neat opportunities uh, going on in the life of the church. Uh, we wanna encourage you, and thank you, Francis, uh, uh, for leading and uh, facilitating. <clears throat> we want to invite you into next steps. Um, <clears throat> now's a good time to start thinking about Who will you be inviting to Christmas Eve? Um, you should know that uh, the success rate of someone saying yes to coming to Christmas Eve is at an 85 percentile. If you ask them and you tell them you love this church and you say that Christmas Eve is meaningful to you and you say, I'll pick you up at this time and you say, I'll even take you to dinner afterwards or whatever social kind of thing you want to do uh, an 85 percentile. So take your next step by inviting someone to take their next step. And then lastly, um, if you're a guy and you want to have dinner tomorrow night at the Worst House and talk about the Bible. Come and join me at 6.30. We'll have a room set aside. Just ask for the church group, uh, 6.30 at the Worst House. Uh, We'll be eating uh, together, so uh, we'd love to have you. I think those are all of the announcements for the moment. Um, if today's the day that you'd like to join the church, we'd love to have you. Uh, what a great opportunity to be part of the church family. You can remember that uh, Diane Hill, who's over standing next to the piano, is prepared to pray with you or for you um, as a Stephen minister. Um, uh, and I hope that you'll use our prayer chapel, which is the brown door back there, uh, which is open throughout the week. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Uh, Almighty God, there are times in our lives where death seems like it's nothing at all, and we give thanks for the resurrection to eternal life. But there are times when death seems like an enemy. Remind us that your love is deep and wide for us, that your tears fall in our losses, and that together you give us the victory. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Wonderful.